When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KCCA ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KCCA forward slash Real Vision. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. Can the safe haven bid last? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tommy Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Hey, Tommy. Great to see you. I am good. Wait, hold on. I think I have my uh, my YouTube is my Open alert. Somewhere. Okay, sorry. You go fix. You know why? Because we laugh every time we do the show with Tommy. Because as you just told me, he madly trades right at the end of the day because that's what the smart money does. Yeah. Um, and so we're multitasking. That's why your other window is open. Are you good now? I'm good. I'm all free. I'm, I just punched <laughs> the clock. I'm done. <laughs> Great. So uh, we saw that the U.S. bond market of close, of course, was closed yesterday for a bank holiday here in the U.S., Columbus Day. But today, we saw treasuries open and react to the developments over the weekend. Yields move lower, that sense. Stocks higher. Um, what did you make of the market action today? It was a little little dull, actually. I, actually, the, the bond market, I, okay, I think there's a combined risk-off type move to the bond, bond market uh, because of the events happening in Israel, which are tragic and awful and could escalate. But I think also that the bigger move was that several Fed governors have come out and said that the recent backup in yields have sort of done their job. Um, Instead of them needing to raise another 25 basis points, well, you know, seeing that rates moved higher, that's going to put... financial conditions under more strain and uh, so they can uh, take a pause. So that I think is is the real big move in the bond market. I'm not quite sure though that we haven't seen the highs in rates. I think that's still possible and it's an ongoing situation. But I was pretty cl- clear on my stuff, what, what I reported that we were gonna see uh, some pullback in, in rates, a pullback in the dollar, uh, but I think that there's still higher highs on the dollar and rates ahead. So there's still risk. On top of it, I normally come on and I'm always Mr. Bearish, but um, I've been more neutral in my portfolio and I bought a bunch of new longs, not in tech, but other things that have been beat down pretty hard. And I'm renting those for a bounce, which we've we've gotten pretty a pretty good bounce so far. Not sure how much more we have. We have earnings coming out this week. Financials. I have a few financials that I'm long. Uh, boring names that uh, are reporting on Friday. So what? So there's a lot in there. Uh, I like that you say you're renting them. So this is that that tells me this is a very short term position for you. You think? Well, look, I I think there's real big risk with this Israel situation. I think earnings are still a big risk. 
a lot of stocks that are down have maybe de-risked some of the earnings softness that could come. You're going to hear better than expected or better than feared type earnings. I think Pepsi was better than feared, a little better here and there. The dollar up is going to be a bit of a most talked about situation on a lot of our conference calls. So I think that, uh, look, I still think there's risk. I think a lot of people have put too much emphasis on seasonality. And yes, there's a positive seasonal bias. But I think that you can throw that out since we've had very high interest rates. I think you have a strong dollar that still, in my opinion, remains very strong. And I don't necessarily need to be a hero and call the bottom because I didn't get all the things that I like to see for to call a real strong bottom. So I think that I'm going to get a little technical and wonky on everybody. The first wave down was in August uh, to the 17th of August. We saw a lower high bounce. That's the second wave. And now we've been in the third wave. And we did have a lot of DeMarc buy countdown 13s in wave three. And now we've qualified wave four, which the way I look at it, a wave four is a 13-day high off the lows. And it's not necessarily a sell signal in itself because it could go a little bit more. But then we're going to make a wave five lower low down the road. So that's all very fluid right now for me. But yeah, I'm renting. Uh, if I rent a little longer, um, we'll see. But I'm just trying to stay opportunistic and look for ideas that uh, possibly could work on long and short side. Yeah. So before we talk a little bit more specifically about that, you know, you just said the situation in Israel, in the Middle East could get worse. I was on a call with an executive today who described this as permacrisis, right? That, and that seems so accurate to me. We just seem to roll from one crisis to another. Um, you're running a fund again. You're, you're actively you know, running money. How do you make investment decisions against this kind of backdrop where it's so hard to know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning or you go to sleep or you turn away from your screen for a few hours? And, and, you know, you have these events happen that are so hard to put against an investment landscape. How do you manage that? Well, well you can also have positive news as well that, right. that can come in and disrupt your shorts. <laughs> um, I'm used to it. I've been doing this for a few years. And uh, look, I, I'm, I sleep pretty well. But at four o'clock in the morning, when the pre-market starts to open, I'm looking at my Bloomberg on my phone. And then I get into the office pretty early and decide and see what's happening. These are the type of moments that you could have overnight risk. So a lot of people are, oh, I want to get really long right now. I don't think you need to have a lot of conviction either way right now. I think that's good. Stay flexible. If you're wrong, get out quick. Keep your sizing uh, proportionately small uh, so you don't have some month or quarter ending type event that happens in your portfolio. I think that's just the thing. Just stay very, very nimble, flexible, and try and find ideas. I try to find ideas on both sides, and um, I'm very, very cognizant of risk. Yeah, risk management matters so much right now. So we have this, we have this, uh, you know, conversation happening about is the market doing work, the work for the Fed, and and you mentioned maybe we haven't <clears> seen the highs yet for bonds, which is interesting because we this is the dynamic we've had. Everybody runs, we think we get there, and then yields go up again, everything gets killed. What 
we have some real important inflation data coming out this week, uh, PPI, CPI. How do you think those numbers are likely to impact sentiment, or do you think it's more going to be about earnings? Two things. One, with the CPI, well, we have the PPI tomorrow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, PPI tomorrow and the CPI on Thursday. I tend to think those are going to come. I look at core mostly, but I think that's going to come right in the middle and uh, right in line with expectations. And they could be a little better maybe because I think rents are a big part and that might be coming down. So that's a, you know, that could be a risk on type of situation. If it's worse and it comes in hotter, mm. then we've got bonds are going to, rates are going to spike and you have a lot of, you know, risk around that. I do think that there's risk for the inflation data to get stronger or excuse me, well, hotter in coming months. I think that's possible, but you know, one step at a time. So I think that's, that's, I'm running that risk right now, like of what could happen. So I'm two-sided in my book, very, very neutral right now. And I'll take advantage of either side. Sometimes I like to say it's like planting a garden, a vegetable garden. You know, sometimes you'll get, you'll pick some stuff in the beginning of the season and that's your, your short book. You just took, you know, you pick those off and, and then you have some that are your long book and you have to take those off at another time. And each one has its own time to take certain, you adjust your portfolio in that regard. So I think there's that. I think, look, earnings, I think earnings are going to come in probably okay for the financials. I don't necessarily forecast any sort of disasters. They've sort of run up a little bit. And I'm long, I'm long a few of City, JP Morgan, and Goldman right now. And those I think are going to be okay. I think Morgan Stanley has a few risks involved there. And we'll see how that goes. I'm not short that, but I'm going to watch how these first come out. And Look, I think tech also has risk uh, more to the downside because I think the AI uh, monetization is probably a 2024 event and you probably are not going to see the real benefits of AI so soon as much as the market started to price that in. I think that's a risk. I think Apple's a risk. I don't think their phones are selling as, as well as, as hoped and they've had three quarters of negative growth. So I think that's a a risk and it's the most crowded stock in the world. So we'll see, um, we'll see how that does. And that's a barometer right there. So yeah, look, it, it'll be interesting to see if we, we, if the market continues higher into tech earnings, it's going to put a higher bar for tech. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a day by day type of situation. But look, I think I, I again, if, if the, this situation in Israel escalates and we have more countries get involved and I saw some, headlines today with Hezbollah, which is Lebanon, uh, that changes the whole dynamic. And if you go back and you look at other periods where there was an attack or a war starting, it takes a lot of time for militaries to build up their plan and their troops and everything before really things get hotter. And it's not like, okay, Israel's shooting missiles back at Gaza and and that's, you know, that's that's happening. But there's a bigger situation that's probably out there that we have to be certainly cognizant of. And, and that changes the dynamic right now. And I think people will be 
honestly, if you're if you're long the market right now and you've got good gains, which most people do, not me, I'm, I'm, my portfolio is flat on the year. Um, year's not over. Uh, the situation, the way I look at it is that they might take 10% off. They might adjust 20% off of, out of equities and put it into bonds. And that will matter. That will see a risk off. There's a lot of people that are very short right now. CTAs are very short. So there's the fuel for that as well. So you have this dynamic of fundamentals that possibly are getting worse with technicals that could see more of a bounce. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, hard, hard to, certainly hard to thread that. When we're talking about earnings, it's going to be interesting. Somebody somebody joked on the program that um, I think it was on the daily briefing. It might have been on the platform somewhere that, OK, well, Walmart said because everybody's taking Ozempic now that they're buying less food and, and just sort of called BS on that. Like already you have the numbers. Um, you know, we know companies like to be able to uh, sort of sort of blame certain things for everything. Right. So we have a strong dollar. Certainly that can be an aspect. Are we going to get a real read on what's happening with the economy from these earnings calls, or do you think that we're going to have a lot of companies sort of, you know, blaming, you know, blaming one thing, but maybe hiding what are operational problems somewhere else? Well, well, you know that it's it's always something they'll blame unless they blew out numbers, and then it's all right. their credit, you know. So it's <laughs> like oh, we blew out guy. numbers. Our our strategy's working great, but yeah, I think there's a lot of issues that they can blame. The dollar, of course, you could blame. I mean, higher rates, you can blame. There's a lot of things that the companies can blame. And and look, I think higher rates are going to be a constraint on the consumer going forward. We're, you know, a lot of data's out there that's showing the consumer starting to slow a bit. And that's 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 what should happen when you've had higher interest rates. Um, that's the, the thing that we have to always be cognizant of. There's lag effects. And the lag effects is that the consumer is going to slow. They're not going to borrow as much because interest rates are higher. It's hard to buy a car because interest rates are so high. Uh, that's that's what happens. That's the cycle. Yeah. Speaking of lag effects, by the way, um, Julian Biddle just released an update on the Q4 business cycle uh, that he's posted before on the site. Uh, it's called identifying the leads and lags. I think Brian has a shot of that on the new platform that he can show. A lot of you have already watched it and commented on it, including Peter, who called it pure gold. So thank you for that, Peter. Um, but a, but a lot of love for that. So um, right now, especially as Tommy's talking about when we're trying to figure out what is leading and lagging, uh, definitely want to check that out. If you are watching on YouTube or it's locked for you, head to the site or hit your account so you can figure out how to get full access to that. Um, and if you're on YouTube, just go to www.realvision.com. Um, so Tom, we have some questions coming in. Uh, AJ asking, any views on being short 
regional banks? Because you mentioned financials are going to be the first out of the gate here with earnings. Well, they've already come down a bit. And I, I have, okay, so this is a really good, the technical versus fundamental. The technicals are kind of telling you that we're, we're sort of washed out here on the KREs around 40. We had we had some DeMarc buy countdown 13s on several banks uh, and in the regional bank uh, ETF. I don't want to touch regional banks at all. You know, I'll let them go up if they go up. I don't want to short them here. They're heavily shorted. So that's a negative if you're if you're looking to short something and it's got high short interest, you know, that's like flag number one for me that I just stay away. Uh, but look, I think that I don't necessarily think the fundamentals are getting better. I mean, look, when we had the interest rates hit 4% uh, back in February, all the regional banks freaked out. Oh my God, we have capital holes. All those banks still have capital holes at near 5% now. It's just gotten worse. But I think that you have the Fed and the treasuries, you know, signaling the little backstop some of this and their mark to market type stuff. But I think every single bank, well, I shouldn't say every single bank, but a lot of financials have capital holes because they bought long duration debt and they're down 50% on that. So I think they want to raise capital. I think they need to raise capital, but they won't because hedge funds will and people will short the living daylights out of them and there'll be possible bank runs and panic and everybody's freaking out. And the people that lend money to those banks, those are the big, some big institutions. They don't want to be the first in. They want to be the last in. They want to be the ones that come in at the bottom rather than be the first ones to lend because then everything, you know, then it it still falls. So that's kind of how I see it. I, I still think there's risk there. And you have commercial real estate, of course. So that's a, a 2024 problem, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the commercial real estate. But by the way, Ash has been all over that. And we'll continue to take a look at that from very, sort of all different kinds of angles as we wait. It's sort of such a slow motion. Everybody knows it's out there. But uh, let me see. Um, I have one and I just lost it. Uh, Ralph asking, what's your view on defense stocks? Good question. I am long uh, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. No, um, no, um, Raytheon. No, 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 no. RTX. I'm sorry, I'm spacing here. Uh, but I am long some defense stocks. I was long actually before this situation happened. Uh, I got I got long just like a week or two before because we had these have been beat down really hard. I'm I'm long Boeing as well. I recently got long Boeing. We had a lot of DeMarc buy countdown 13s. And when I see when I see DeMarc buy or sell countdowns at certain places, let's say if they're on the the bot, the lows in a group, or if I see them on the highs as a group, kind of gives me more power in numbers that these are all getting pretty exhausted from that particular direction. So I don't like to say, oh boy, I'm I'm so happy I'm long defense stocks because you know there's a war, but uh they're they're working. So I'll stay with it. Uh, Russell asks, yeah, it's funny, defense stocks, one of those areas that just unloved in this sort of, you know, tech is everything rally. Right. One of the, on that I'm looking note, for I, those, I'm looking for those things that are unloved in tech is everything rally. And they're, they're starting to work. Yeah. On that note, I think last time you were on, Trillian X is asking, 
are you still long utilities? I think you mentioned that you like you. Yeah, I, last time you're on. In my fund, I ha- I, I just added a little bit, and it was sort of just an you know bond rates going down type of exposure. I'm not long much enough to make any difference. Uh, they've been just horrible. And you also have a dynamic happening that you have a lot of stocks and sectors that have been beat down and made 2023 lows. Utilities, that's one. Biotech also, the IBB made a 2023 low recently. So you have a lot of tax loss selling that's still out there that is pen- punishing a lot of stocks right now. So I it's hard to bottom fish in this market when it's still generally an overbought market because you have the magnificent seven that have led the market higher or the indexes higher, I should say. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, w- I just want to bring up that uh, a question for someone who I think who missed what you were saying at the very top, uh, let's find it. Um, it was about about the rally. Uh, okay, Dan, looks like bonds have made the turn, oil banks, et cetera, looking up. Do you think we're in for a rally to year-end equity-wise? NASDAQ and S&P seem to be breaking out of their downside channels to the upside. I, I don't think you necessarily think that's the situation, do you, no. Tom? No, I don't. And I... But I, I think there's another leg down. And again, I think this was uh, this is going to be another lower high bounce uh, followed by a lower low. And you really didn't see any capitulation on this this down move. And and I, I will tell you, I talked to so many different people and they vary from our subscribers that are super smart, institutional hedge fund people and all. And then I have a lot of retail people and I have heard so many people that are just dying to buy. Everybody's just eager to buy. And when you get to a low, nobody wants to buy. They, mm-hmm. they, they're asking me for short ideas. And, and to buy TLT over the last six months has been the number one, can I buy TLT? And, I, and I've said this on Real Vision as well. I don't think so, not yet. And maybe maybe this is the magic bottom, but if you bought TLT at the highs, you're down 50%. And there's going to be tax loss selling in in this as well. And I don't necessarily like TLT as a bond, you know, the way I would trade bonds. But a lot of people do. And there's a lot of people in the 60-40 portfolio and they buy the S&P and and buy TLT. And that's their 60-40 genius. And if you're down 50% or 20% in a bond proxy, it's not very safe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just bad management in there. And and look, it's there's going to be a turn in bonds, and maybe maybe we have seen the top, but I still think that there's risk out there for a capitulation in bonds. And so I'm I'm cautious in bonds, and I'll stay that way until I see a firm trend change, and that that's going to take time. I don't want to just you know you know try and catch a falling knife, and that's what trying to buy TLT has been. Oh, and that has uh, has been a butcher knife this year. I mean, that has just been tough. And um, I love our chat because um, someone's weighing in very bravely saying, I put my toe in the water on TLT October 4th. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, um, look, I get it all the time. And, yeah. and, and, 
and you could you be might right, be but, right and yeah. it might be a trade and you might get you know something out of it but in t- for me i'd rather be a little bit more late and you know see some of the technical stuff i want to see turn and that will be great i you know there's really no style points of getting exactly the lows and the highs on things and i i think that if you can trade the middle of these things you can you can do just fine uh, and on that point russell Mar- russell's asking dmark tlt it's been brutal yeah that it has um and and that's actually a really good situation because there are a lot of people, and I could tell you that Paul Tudor Jones used to w- want to know when the DeMarc signals failed, because when you have that on a period of time, that's telling you something important. That means the trend is exceptionally strong. And we, we had, you know, in 2021, we had the S&P going up and there were DeMarc signals that saw like two or three percent bounce or drops. And then all of a sudden it kept going. And that's kind of important because it told you that the trend was very, very strong. And I follow and adhere to those examples. I just, I haven't been, and I tell people that on my, that I that subscribe, this is a really strong trend and you don't want to buy this signal or you don't want to sell this signal. And, you know, that's, that's just from using the indicators for, 20 years. Yeah. And and that experience, I mean, it's very hard to replicate that experience that you have, Tom. For those of you who do want to know more about that, I see Brian messing around with the platform on another screen I'm watching. We have a whole section from Tom DeMarc himself. We're explaining that. You can walk through it on the Academy. Um, it's been very useful to a lot of people who do want to dig in more and understand uh, a little bit more about what Tommy and some of, some of um, you know, his peers are talking about and why they rely on these indicators so much. Um, as you know, Raul is a big fan of them as well. Um, just go into the Academy section and you can see that. And I was just told that if you are, don't have access, you can ask Milton. I know they try to kill off Milton, but Milton's like back. <laughs> he seems to have the answers to everything. Um, so the, the myth and the magic continues with Milton. Um, we have a question. You know, this question is going to come up. I just want to make sure because that, that we always have to spend a little time on this, but naturally, you know what they're going to ask. Andrew asking, are you still short Tesla? And would you ever look at BYD? Well, BYD is just exploding right now. Their, their sales are, their deliveries are really, really strong. Uh, I am still short Tesla. My average is around 240. And last year I made 50% on it. On the downside, I covered a lot at basically near the lows and I reshorted it again, you know, around my average is around 240. Uh, I think there's still risk with Tesla. Their deliveries were terrible. I think their earnings are going to be very weak. And we're, well, here's the thing earnings, I've, and I've tweeted this. Uh, recently, and I've, earning estimates continue to drop precipitously, and they're going to be down quarter over quarter for the third quarter in a row. And you know, this is a company trading at a very high multiple with a market cap of eight hundred billion dollars, which is more than all the legacy automakers combined. They've cut prices on average around twenty eight percent for all four models globally, year to date, and that's going to hit margins. 
And you have this strong legion of buyers out there that are buying the stock, buying calls, you know, anything they possibly can. And, and more power to them if it's just going to be great until it's not. And I, I will stay short. I'm hedged in other ways with it. So I'm not necessarily, I'm not, you know, I'm a clown. I'm, you know, I love those people on the, on the comments that say, oh, clowny short Tesla. <laughs> you know what? I'm very aware of what I'm doing. And look, I also think that, you know, look, Elon Musk has, I mean, how many investigations happening right now? And I think the DOJ and Southern District of New York investigation is really serious and it's a criminal investigation. Mm. So if that happens where he gets indicted and let's just say his ex-CFO or someone else in the company is testifying against him, it's going to be a very credible case against him. And, and this is for perks that he might have received from Tesla. And when you're a public company, you can't just get perks for glass houses or for whatever. It has to be in your in a 8K filed. We're giving our CEO this, and it has to be voted on by by and compensation for by those uh, shareholders. Yeah. So if he's doing that, and they're also that may be the tro Trojan horse where they're going to investigate this glass house. But if they're going to investigate going back to 2017, as the Wall Street Journal said, God knows what they're going to find, and so I will stay short. That's not my main case. The delivery and demand problems are, I think, real. I can't wait for the Cybertruck to come out because I think it's the ugliest car humanly ever made. I mean, I I drew better cars when I was four with crayons <laughs> than that stupid thing. And so, if you, you know, they have a million or two million, you know, pre-orders for this car, they're never going to sell two million cars. On, on there. And if they do, everybody can then, you know, when I'm on Real Vision and, you know, a year or two years and they could say, oh, look, he sold two million cars, then I am mistaken. So I will stay short Tesla. And, um, you know, sorry, I have a valuation bent on this as well. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, it's John just money, people. Don't get so emotional. <laughs> John saying, Tom, odd that Bitcoin is not moving and diverging with stocks. Yeah, I, I you know I don't trade Bitcoin, but I do analysis on it every day. On my note, I put a chart of Bitcoin, and this is one another one that has made possible lower highs and that twenty-five to twenty-six thousand level there. If that breaks, I have a measured target to twenty-two thousand. You know, I don't know. It's just it it normally goes up with a risk-on type of environment, and it's mm -hmm. dislocated which tells you a lot right there. Maybe it's people are buying an NVIDIA and Tesla rather than Bitcoin. And this has been a market and it's been a market like this for several years where people see green and they'll jump on it and they'll move from one thing to another. And they're just nomads going from one hot thing to another until it stops. And then there's another thing and then they'll move there. But if Bitcoin was moving higher, you'd have all sorts of money you know, going there. And that's the the that's the dynamic of the market and the market yeah. participants. Interesting. It may say more about the market than it does actually about Bitcoin, because we did see it moving. We did see a lot of resilience. We saw it moving higher, but it just didn't get that momentum. And a lot of people are actually happy that it wasn't 
that it was diverging, but in this case, it's not in the way they thought. And I so, have, I have a feeling more people would be happy if it was moving higher than yeah. diverging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, when it <laughs> oh, was I could buy more. Both. No, I, they'd, they'd rather see it go up. When it was doing both, it seemed, it seemed great. All right. I'm going to squeeze in one last question from TC. Curious what Tommy thinks about NVIDIA. Well, look, I, I, really have tried to not to take a big position in this one or, or any true position because they are truly the one AI company that is going to benefit right now from, you know, selling their chipsets and everything. And, and they have great products. The valuation makes very little sense to me. It could go higher, but look, they had great earnings and the stock faded, which told me that the last buyer has bought. And it's a great trading stock. So I think you just need to think of it that way. If the stock broke 400, I think it then has some real issues because that's been a really pretty decent support level. I just would rather, you know, stick around and watch this one that rather than take a really strong position. It, it could go it could go higher. I don't I really just I think they have a couple more quarters of really strong earnings that are going to come in. I don't know if their earnings are going to be as strong as last quarter and the guidance is strong as last quarter. And that may be a catalyst in itself where they're saying, oh, well, it's not as strong as last quarter and everything's, what have you done for me lately? So we'll yeah. see. We have a lot to get through uh, for this week. Uh, couldn't set it up better for us, Tommy. Thank you so much. Well, we always love when you're on. Yeah, I love being here. And thanks to everybody. Yeah, for the questions. Um, we, we always we always get those Tesla questions, but I love that there were so many other ones today. We covered a lot of ground, which is fantastic. Yeah, so thank you all for those smart contributions. Uh, remember, we are Programming Note teaming up with Ledger to bring you our latest festival of learning, the next digital asset wave. It's going to take place this Thursday, Friday, October 12th and 13th. It is completely free. So all you need to do is go to realvision.com forward slash festival 23 to sign up and get the details. We're looking forward to that. Thanks to everyone. We'll be back same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KCCA ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KCCA forward slash Real Vision.